two weeks ago, we had the uh, opportunity to help uh, two um, women out who were in a state called Manipur in India. And uh, if you're not aware, it's been on the news, but there is a battle going on in Manipur, uh, especially against attacks against Christians. Churches are being burned, houses. Christians are having to escape into the jungles, and uh, Manipur leave their home. Their hand, homes are being destroyed. Um, <clears throat> you can easily Google uh, Google this. There's all types of speculation of why it's happening. There's p- uh, politics. There's the mining companies, there's all kinds of things going, uh, going on, but, it, but it's got extremely, extremely violent. We received a, um, an email from uh, YWAM in India asking if we could help with a couple of these um, uh, students. At first it was their brothers, but their brothers actually are remaining there to fight and um, to, to, to fight for their land and for their, uh, um, uh, for their homes. It's in northeast India, so on the other side of uh, Bangladesh, uh, they can't um, move around freely for fear of death, and, and so uh, why we haven't asked, hey, can we get these girls out, these two, uh, two girls, we can bring them to the discipleship training school, and uh, would you be able to pay for the fees and uh, things that we did, so we were, we were able to do that, they can't just go and catch a plane and jump on to, to even go into that city as a, at uh, fear of death, so they have to, t- I think it's like uh, hike for three days through the jungle to get out of the state and, and get there, and, and so they sent that request, and we were able within really just 10 minutes to go, absolutely, we'll be able to help, and we were able to send a couple of thousand dollars to sort of take care of them for the next um, few months. But the violence there is horrific. But again, we were able to do that because generous people like you uh, give and so financially into the life of this uh, church week in and week out, and uh, that makes it possible for us to uh, to do that kind of thing without e- even having to think about it. And we've got some amazing trustees and stuff who uh, help steward everything, but, uh, but it's because of the generous giving that we are able uh, to do that and make a difference uh, in those girls' lives. So that's happened, and they, uh, they will hear the story, and I'll update you as they uh, make it to... Um, uh, where, where they're going to be doing the trial. I don't want to say where we're online. I don't want to say where that, uh, uh, where that is. But it's, again, because of your giving, we've been able to do that. Now, I want to do a message on money today. And um, I, I just want to say, don't be nervous. <laughs> I want to give a disclaimer. If you're here at church for the first time, I'm, I think I'll, I'll understand if you go, oh, don't tell me I've come into one of those churches that talk about uh, money all the time. Don't tell me I've just walked into one of those. And I, I, I will understand if you have that kind of um, idea. But I, I want to say we're not one of those kind of churches. So you can relax. Take a deep breath. Uh, now, because I can see as soon as I mentioned money, some uh, people's eyes were twitching. And, and uh, uh, so, uh, some people immediately uh, tense, uh, tense up. But I, I want to say right now, you can, if, if you're holding your wallet or your purse right now, just let it go. Let, let it, the tight grip go and just, just relax. Take a deep, uh, deep breath. I'm not going to ask you for anything today. Uh, as a church, we don't talk about uh, money a lot, and we purposely don't do that. Uh, if you've been here for a while, you already uh, know that. Why? Why? Because people go funny over money. Uh, they, they really do. 
And, and so, 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 so we're aware of that. And so we're very careful around uh, that whole uh, topic. I was at a uh, community function a few uh, weeks ago, and a chap I know who shall we say was socially lubricated. In other words, he'd had a little too much to drink. The night was young, and he was ready to party. He came over to say hello, which was nice. We chit-chatted for a while, but then he proceeded to launch into a bunch of rapid-fire questions about the church. And not so much about, I need Jesus, no. <laughs> it was more around the topic of the church and money. And I can't remember exactly what he said, that the questions, or maybe they were just statements, I, I, I don't know, the, but the questions came thick and fast, and, and to be honest, there was no real opportunity to even answer them. I, 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 was kind of, I, I was kind of caught off guard like the prime minister when he was asked, what is a woman? You know, it's like, it's just, it's kind of like that kind of, I mean, I probably could have answered that one, right? But the, but I was kind of like that. It was, it was like it just caught me off. I, I wasn't ready for it. It was a bit left field. But I don't know if my friend was even wanting an answer or if he was just trying to make conversation. So I can't remember exactly what he said. But if I was to sum up what I think he was trying to say, it, it was sort of like that because I remember these words. How do you take or make people pay <laughs> what's the secret he probably wants to know how, how do you take or make people pay how, how does it all work and, and that, that was really the gist of what his questions were about and I was like dude that's not how it works we don't take or make people pay anything people give and he was gone And so I was left with unfinished business. So today I'm finishing what he started. And so I want to share what I actually would have said, maybe not in so much detail, if I actually had an opportunity to talk about it. And I get how the world often perceives the church and money, and that's why we're very careful here. But at the same time, we can't ignore the topic. The Bible has a huge amount to say about money, and if you've been a student of the scripture, you, you already know that. You, you already know that. This, that, that. That is no surprise to you. you. You know the Bible has a ton to say about money and possessions and finance and wealth and really what should be our attitude towards them. So I, I think it's important two or three times a year to, to actually talk about it. And so this is that time. <laughs> in Christian Leadership Magazine, Dr. Howard L. Dayton, who would be widely regarded as one of the experts in the whole area of finance from a biblical perspective, he has founded ministries around that sort of topic to help churches and their stewardship of finance, finances. He's authored you know, different books and that. He said this, and like I say, many of you will know this. Jesus talked a lot about money. 16 out of his 38 parables were concerned with how to handle money and possessions. In the Gospels, one out of every 10 verses, 288 in all, deal directly with the subject of money. 
Then he said this, the Bible offers 500 verses on prayer, less than 500 on faith, but more than 2,000 verses on money and possessions. Jesus talked about it kind of a lot. Dr. Larry Burkett, who also wrote a number of excellent books on money and uh, finance from a biblical perspective, actually compiled a 280-page book entitled What the Bible Says About Money, and all it consists of, the whole book, all it consists of is Scripture. Scripture, 280 pages of Scripture on the subject. The truth is, the use of that our use of money is about, really, if we're honest, is about the, the, the most reliable external indicator of where our heart is at. Where would I get an idea like that from? Well, Jesus. Jesus is the one who said, for where your treasure is, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so we, we, it's an important question. Do, do, do we have our money or does our money have us? So money plays such a big part of our lives. I've been a pastor for a, for a long time and I can say this with absolute certainty that a lot of worries, battles, struggles, fights, couples have, not all, but a lot, have to do with money or rather lack of it. The only letters you receive in your letterbox are from a guy named Bill. And of course, if you're in business here today, money or lack of it is going to be a source of stress and pressure for you. Every day and in every way, the media relentlessly bombards us with clickbait threats of recession, cost of living crisis, interest rate increases, wanting us to be afraid, be very afraid. But for us as believers, we understand God is our source. And of course, if we're honest, we could all do with a little bit more money. I love the scripture Solomon in his contemplative zone said, Ecclesiastes 10 verse 19, a feast is made for laughter, wine makes life merry, and money is the answer for everything. Amen, hallelujah. <laughs> you didn't know that was in the Bible, did you? Certainly helps. All of us could do with a little bit more. But from a biblical perspective, what should be our approach or our attitude to money, wealth, possessions, giving? Well, the Bible teaches, and I've only got a couple of points. There could be, I'm not doing a series, just a couple of points. Next 23 weeks, but no. <laughs> just today, just today. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's just today. Relax. It's just, yeah, chill out. The Bible teaches, number one, only two points really I've got today. Two long points. Number one, our wealth comes from God. Our wealth, he, he is our source. Not our pay packet, not our employer, not, what, not our possessions. Not what, he is our source, our Wealth from a Christian. If you want to have a Christian perspective of wealth and your resources, our wealth comes from God. For the Christian, we understand God is our source. Everything we have comes from Him. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 17 through 18. 
This is God reminding, the whole chapter is about God reminding the Israelites of his faithfulness. It says, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember, the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. The NIV says to get wealth. The message version, I like how Eugene Peterson puts it. He says, make sure, the same, same verse, he says, make sure you don't become so full of yourself and your things that you forget God. If you start thinking to yourselves, I did all this and all by myself, I'm rich, it's all mine. Well, think again. Remember that God, your God, gave you the strength to produce all this wealth. The King James Version, the Bible Jesus used, Says that it talks about the power to get wealth. You know, last week I did a message called What Defines You? And one of the things I talked about in that, I said, don't let failure define you. Yeah. I said, like many people allow failure to, to define them. But, and, and I realized as I was preparing this, I always forget the other side of it. Don't let success define you. Well, the, my success, my pay packet, my this is what, it, it, is, it just shows I'm God's blessing. No, it doesn't. There are many rich people who don't follow God. Your success doesn't define you. Don't let, don't let, who, who, well, look, how blessed, I'm not, you've got, no, no, don't let success, let God define you. Let who you are in him. The Bible talks about how difficult it will be for the rich. Yeah. It'll be difficult. That's just for free. I threw that one in for free. That's just. You can let failure. You can also let your success define you. Maybe think you're better off than you actually are. What's the state of your soul? Because you can, you, can, you can gain everything and lose your soul and if you're blessed with anything you're blessed so you can be a blessing to others that's why oh the preacher's preaching today friend I want to tell you no matter how successful you're just a vapor you're like grass you're here today you're gone tomorrow all one has comes from God don't forget it First Chronicles, Chronicles 29, verse 12. Wealth and honor come from you. And my favorite story to illustrate this principle, and if you've been in church for a while, you've probably heard this story, but I like it. But it's a donut story, right? John buys a half dozen donuts. He's in the airport. He's flying somewhere. He buys a half dozen donuts. It's a true story. He sits down in the food court. Someone else is sitting at the table with him. Donuts are there, and... They're just, you know, how it is in the food court's packed out and this guy's sitting there and John eats a donut of his half dozen donut. The guy's looking at him. It's like it's a bit awkward. Anyway, the guy, then he takes a donut and he takes it and, and, he, and he eats it and, and John's like, what the? And he, he's, he's looking at him and the guy's looking at him and he's looking at the guy and John's like, takes another donut and eats it and then the guy's just looking at him and then the guy takes another donut and, and, and eats it. 
same thing happens again. And John eats a donut and he's staring at the guys thinking, what the heck? The guy takes another donut. How many donuts is that? I'm useless at mess. Is that it? They're all gone. Flip. <laughs> I was going to say, God, that last donut. And then the guy takes the blood and John's like, what is it? Anyway, John's flight gets called. He gets onto the plane. He gets to a seat and he, he starts taking his coat off and he reaches into his pocket and there in his pocket he pulls out a bag of donuts. Uh, the donuts John was eating were not his donuts. <laughs> they were the other guy's donuts. And so, suddenly John's paradigm changed, right? Suddenly he changed because, because John was thinking, I wanted to punch him, but now he's thinking he should have punched me. Because John suddenly realized in that moment that they weren't his donuts. Friends, we need to understand about all that we have. They're not our donuts. Come on. All you possess, it's not your donut. And so we need to have a paradigm shift about who does what we have belong to. We need to understand the donuts are not ours. John needs to understand the donuts are not yours, John. Right after this service, some of you are going to buy chips for your kids. Straight after the service, I know, you do it every week. We're doing a brisk business in chips. But you're going to buy chips for your kids, and after the service, you're going to say to your kids, and you do it almost every week, especially the dads. You, see, you, you say, can I have a chip? <laughs> you buy the chips and then you say, can I have a chip? And what, what does the kid say? No. no. <laughs> and then you say, who paid for that? And they're like, they're mine. How many know those kids need to change their paradigm after this service? You're gonna... And all the dads said... The chips are not yours, Johnny Jr. Psalm 24, verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. It belongs to him. The Bible teaches that the source of every blessing, every good gift, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father from above. They're his donuts. It's from him and of him. And when it comes to Christian giving or the struggle to do so, the problem really only comes if we've assumed ownership the problem only comes in christian giving when we go they're my donuts the donuts are mine and so then it becomes an argument if you like or a discussion about how much does god want of what is mine how much does god take of what is mine and then people start, as they do, they start talking about percentages. The, 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 you know, tithe means tenth. Children's Church, Johnny Jr.'s in there, and they're doing a lesson on chips. You have ten chips. 
God wants just one chip, a tenth. That's a tithe, of course. And here's the thing, God wants the first chip too. He wants the first fruit, not the last chip. Because how many know that last chip? (laughs) That's the one that's been like fried, it's been old, it's been in the fryer like for three weeks, it's fried up, it's brown, it's shriveled, it's the only one that's left and you know, it's just like, that, can I just say, not here, but in the next service, that's, some of them treat God like that. <laughs> you get the overfried chip if there's anything left. Now, God wants the first chip. The first chip is the faith chip. It's saying, look, I, I, I'm going to trust you with the, I, I'm going to give you the, 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 the longest chip, the, the best chip. I'm going to give that to, to you, and I'm going to trust you for the rest of my chips. Can I hear an amen in the, the house? I mean, and I, I cannot get a chip off Rosie, I tell you. She just will not. Her whole face is covered in sauce. And if I ask for a chip, she, and she wants to give me it, she will find the smallest chip. Can, can I say, but, but, we laugh, but you're like that. Please address all letters to Anita. <laughs> Friend, if you, you, you wait till... Look, we, we need to give God what's right, not what's left. If you wait to, 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 for what is left, there, there will be nothing left. There, ne- there never is. When we give God the first fruits, where we are acknowledging our, our trusting of him for the rest. And, and here's the thing. When, when you get that, that, that he's the source of all we have, that all the donuts are actually his, they're, they're not mine. All the donuts belong to him. When we get that, whatever we have, when we understand that, then percentages just disappear. There's no need to talk about percentages because honestly, they become irrelevant because it's all his. 100% of it. It's his. The chips are his, not ours. The donuts are his, not ours. God wants to be our source. And because we're talking about chips, that's uh, S-O-R-C-E. I hope that's right. Is that right? Oh, no, I don't even know. It's not S-A-U-C-E. No, it's not. Yeah, okay. Steady on. We're moving on. I spell by faith. Amen. Hallelujah. See, one of God's names is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. We, we, we know that. We sing that song, Jireh. You're enough. The song goes, he's forever enough. He's always enough. He's more than enough. God wants to be your source in whom you rely on, your supply. You, you, he, wants to be, he wants to be the one on whom you rely for your supply. Not your money, not your possessions, not your bank account, not your job, not what Wall Street is doing, not what the media is saying. No, we, we, rely, on, we rely on him. And, and let me go a little deeper here. Da- David Campbell, who, who teaches theology on the Theosu platform as well as in other Bible colleges, he said this about giving, and I, I, I think it's, for me, this struck a chord. He said this about... Uh, Christian giving. He said, true Christian giving comes from vision. True biblical giving can only come out of a source or understanding of the kingdom of God. 
really. You see, our motivation for giving ultimately is laid out by Jesus who said we are to seek first. Here's what we're to do. We're to seek first. What are we to seek? First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, all these other things will be added to you. And so he he said, uh, Jesus gives a clear definition, a clear vision of God's purpose for our life on earth. We're, we're, to hear, we're here to seek the establishment of his kingdom, plain and simple. And then David Campbell goes on to say this. He said, it's very significant that Jesus makes this statement in the context of teaching about money. So we're in Matthew 6. He's, he's just instructed. So, so think the context. He's just instructed his disciples not to lay up treasures on earth. Do not lay up for yourselves. Matthew 6 verses 19 and 20. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and rust. People come in and steal. He said, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. He just told them that. And then he goes on to say this in Matthew 6 verse 24. He says, you can't serve God and money. He said, no one can serve two masters. He will love one and hate the other, be devoted to one and not the other. You cannot serve God and money. And then to top it off, he just then urges them to stop worrying about how they'll have their needs met. He says, don't worry about it. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, about what you'll eat, what you'll wear, so on and so forth. And so Jesus has money and possessions in mind when he comes to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God. And really he's just saying, seek God first. Let, let his purposes be our first priority and he will take care of the rest. Your needs, in other words, he will be your source, your supply, your provider. As believers, if we don't have an understanding of this, if we don't have a vision of this, if we don't have a vision of the purpose of God on earth for our lives and how we can fit into his purpose, if we, if we don't understand how he desires to be our source and supply, we will always struggle with a motivation when it comes to giving. Always. Truth is God has a purpose for our lives, and here he commands us to put all our priorities at his disposal. And if we don't get this, the truth is you'll never understand God's claim on your money or actually any other part of your life for that matter. It just won't make sense. Which leads me to point number two. The material wealth we have is not ours to possess, it's only ours to steward. All we have we only manage for another. We're here as managers. God has entrusted it to us for a season. At some point, we will have to give an account. We, we can see this in many parables of the Bible. Here's just one, the parable of the talents, Matthew 25. For, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to their ability. Then he went away. These uh, servants, their job was what? To look after, to steward the master's resources until he returns. 
Can I say, when you read this, it definitely helps me. And this helps us avoid comparisons as well. It helps us avoid comparisons with who? With others who may have more. God's will is different for every person and so is the degree to which he releases resource. Jesus taught that some received five, another two, another one, and I'm trying to help you today. I'm your pastor, I'm trying to help you. Don't, this can help you. When you understand, some got five, some got two, some got, some got one. Don't be drawn into comparisons just because someone else got five and you got two. Or someone, so, you know, they, they got two and you got, only got a half. Whatever it is, you, don't be drawn into comparisons. How, how come the Lord did that for him and not for me? How come he has that and I only have this, Lord? How come sister so-and-so has that and I only have this? I want to tell you, don't worry about how much your brother has. Just be faithful with what God has given you. Rejoice in the abundance that your brother has or your sister has. If someone has a bigger house than you, so be it. If someone has a bigger office, a bigger car, or better pay, has a different grade of seat on an airplane, so what? Why would we even worry about that? And anyway, for those who do have more, God requires a more severe accounting from them. From those who have been given much. Everyone, it says Luke 12 verse 48, everyone to whom much is given, of him much will be required. You know, in our fallen human nature, we as people, we never have enough. We always want more. In our fallen human nature, we operate out of a mentality of need. We seem to be continuously compelled to try and get more. It's never, never enough. And when, when, when you think about, about it in Genesis, even though God clearly told Adam and Eve that they had all they needed, they didn't believe it. The serpent succeeded, right, in causing Adam and Eve to ignore the vast provision and blessing that God had poured out on and for them. All of this. He gave to them. And what did the serpent do? He got them to shift their focus to the one thing they didn't have. The one thing God said they couldn't have. And the sneaky serpent suggested that Eve needed to take action, that rather than rely on God's provision, she needed to take action to make up for her perceived poverty, her perceived lack. And so she decided to take it for herself. And since then, the human race, no matter how much we have, it's never quite enough. All we can see is what we don't have. People call it a poverty spirit. Fallen men and women are takers. 
No matter how much we have, we really are content. We're, we're never satisfied. John D. Rockefeller, who was one of the richest men, I think the richest men in the world, many years ago was asked, what was the best million he'd ever made? He said, the next million. Someone asked him, how much money does it take to make a man happy? He said, just one more dollar. Don't be a taker. Proverbs 11 verse 24 says, One gives freely yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. The NIV says one person gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. The New Living Translation, same scripture says, Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. Don't be a taker. What you've been given is not ours to possess, but to steward. It's all his. And so we steward it well. What does that look like? Well, it's, it means it's a whole other message, but not living beyond your means. It means budgeting. It means saving, investing. Don't do debt. It means, it means, it means stewarding that which God has given you, the resources that he's given you well. But as a redeemed people, as ones who understand that ultimately He is our source, God would have us as a people move, listen, from a mentality of need to an assurance of supply. Jehovah Jireh, the God, who provides. In Him, there is no lack. There is no shortage of supply. There is no lack in Him. The Apostle Paul writing to and blessing the Philippian church declares, and my God will supply every need of yours. And this is in the context of giving. And my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches. There's no lack in Him. In glory in Christ Jesus. Friend, I want to tell you, you can trust God for your life. Your life done God's way will never lack God's provision. He is our source, our supply. Not our possessions, not our bank account, not our job, but in God. All we have is yours. And today, my king, we seek you and your kingdom first. All other things we need will be added. Our trust is in you. And so when it comes to giving, we remember 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each one of you should give what you have decided in your heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Again, it's no point just giving when your heart's not in it. This is your yard and kabah, your hands and your heart. Your heart should be, God loves a cheerful giver. Not a reluctant giver, not someone who feels pressured. For God loves a cheerful giver. Why? Because our heart and our hands are in it. And if we can understand that, it then goes on to say this, and then God, if you, when, you, when you get this, and God is able, listen, to bless you abundantly so that in all things, that's everything, in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound and every good work. You know, we're sitting in this building because our family gave 50 acres of land. 
to us many years ago. They have 50 acres of land. Why? Because they never thought of it as theirs. It was just his. We've got 15 acres out the back there, still, still to be developed, because they gave every house, all the streets, sovereign way, harvest, all, the whole area, the whole area around here is because one person said, this is not mine. Lord, what do you want me to do with it? And they gave it. And we reap the benefit of that. That person was kingdom-minded. He understood from where their source was, who their source was. We're able to do what we do here because faithful people sow into the life of this church week in, week out. And if I'm honest, not, not everybody does. When it comes to giving, some people stop at nothing. <laughs> Literally. We're able to build those houses in India because people sow. People give. And so to my friend, I would say, my socially lubricated friend, I would say God is a giver, not a taker. God gives, gives. Jesus modeled that in the sense that we sung it today. And I, that wasn't planned or whatever that, that's just a great song. For God is a giver. How do we know? Jesus modeled that. For God so loved the world that he gave. His only begotten son, so that whomsoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God gives because he doesn't run out. There's no lack of supply in him. Amen. Turn to the person next to you and go, we got through that. <laughs> it's all right. Don't, don't, don't panic. I've got armed guards standing at the doors as you leave. Uh, no. <laughs> Listen, again, give out of freedom <laughs> Someone said, I like it. You hold on to your dollars so tight, you make the queen cry. <laughs> Queen's got tears in her eyes. It's all his. We thank you for everything we have. We thank you that we're not living in the jungles, having a try and escape persecution and having our houses burnt and we're so blessed we're some of the richest people in the world you got a car you're one of the richest people in the world don't forget it amen Would you stand? Better wrap it up. God, we thank you, Father God, for your goodness and your provision in our lives. Father God, help us to be obedient to that which you want us to do. Thank you for the vision for our lives to seek you first, the kingdom of God. And you'll take care of our needs. We want to be wise stewards with all that you've resources you've given us help us do that carefully and with wisdom 
Let me pronounce this blessing over you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And everybody said, amen. amen. If you need prayer for anything, the prayer station is over to the side. Um, and, and Spencer and Hannah are there. They will pray with and for you for anything. God bless you. The service is over. Buy someone a coffee and have some fellowship.